Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. All right, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? We are having another gorgeous morning here, 77 degrees, and the humidity is 77%. How's that? We do want to remember and think about the people down in Acapulco, Mexico, just got slammed with a Category 5 hurricane. There's Calvary Chapel down there. We haven't heard how they're doing yet, but uh, devastated the city. We were hurricane category four here. That was bad enough, but a five, and it lasted a lot longer. Did a whole lot more damage. So mm, let's be praying for them. Okay, dad joke for the day. I deleted the phone numbers of all the Germans I know from my mobile phone. Now I'm Hans free. (laughs) That's pretty bad. Okay. Let's pray and get into the Word today. Father, thank you for this morning and giving us this time together. Recognizing, God, we live in strange times, so we need your Word all the more every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah 25, prophecy of the captivity. Very prophetic here. The Word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people in Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. That was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even to this day, these twenty-three years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, again and again, but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear, saying, Turn now, everyone, from his evil way and from the evil of your deeds and dwell on the land which the Lord has given to you and your forefathers forever and ever. And do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands. And I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord. And I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against its inhabitants and against all these nations round about. And I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. The whole land will be a desolation and a horror and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Babylon will be judged, verse 12. Then it will be, when 70 years are accomplished, I will punish the king of Babylon, and that nation declares the Lord and their iniquity. 
and the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it an everlasting desolation. I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in the book which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings will make slaves of them. Even them I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to the work of their hands. Verse 15, For thus the Lord, the God of Israel, says to me, Take this cup of the wine of the wrath of my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. They will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom the Lord sent me to drink it. Jerusalem and the cities of Judah and its kings and all its princes to make them a ruin, a horror, and a hissing, and a curse as it is this day. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his servants, his princes, and all his people, and all the foreign people, all the kings of the land of Uz, all the kings of the land of the Philistines, even Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, and the sons of Ammon, and all the kings of Tyre, all the kings of Sidon, and the kings of the coastlands, which are beyond the sea, and Dedan, Tima, Buz, and all who cut the corners of their hair, and all the kings of Arabia, and all the kings of the foreign people who dwell in the desert, and all the kings of Zimri, all the kings of Elam, and all the kings of Media, and all the kings of the north, near and far, one with another, and all the kingdoms of the earth, which are upon the face of the ground, and the king of Shishak shall drink after them. You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, drink and be drunk, vomit, fall, and rise no more because of the sword which I will send among you. But it will be after they refuse to take the cup from your hand to drink, then you will say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, you shall surely drink. For behold, I am beginning to work calamity in this city, which is called by my name. And shall you be completely free from punishment? For you will not be free from punishment, for I am summoning a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, declares the Lord of hosts. Therefore, you shall prophesy against them all these words, and you shall say to them, the Lord will roar from on high and utter his voice, from his holy habitation. He will roar mightily against his fold. He will shout like those who tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. A clamor has come to the end of the earth because the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He is entering into judgment with all flesh. As for the wicked, he has given them to the sword, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, evil is going forth from nation to nation. And a great storm is being stirred up from the remotest parts of the earth. Those slain by the Lord on that day will be from one end of the earth to the other, and they will not be lamented, gathered, or buried. They will be like dung on the face of the earth. Wail, you shepherds, and cry, and wallow in ashes, you masters of the flock, for the days of your slaughter and your depressions have come, and you will fall like a choice vessel. Flight will perish from the shepherds and escape from the masters of the flock. Hear the sound of the cry of the shepherds and the wailing of the masters of the flock. For the Lord is devouring their pasture and the peaceful folds are made silent because of the fierce anger of the Lord. He has left his hiding place like the lion. For their hand has become a horror because of the fierceness of the oppressing sword and because of his fierce anger. Wow. 
Well, we have here very, very strong this prophecy of, of Jeremiah about the complete captivity of Judah for 70 years. This is unique. There is no other book on the planet that is so exact in, its, in everything that it, it says, knowing the history of the world in advance. The Bible has been proven 100% accurate in all of its prophecies, predictive and conditional. There are those conditional prophecies that were conditioned on the people's response, i.e. Nineveh being destroyed um, by when Jonah prophesied and they repented and it was not destroyed here. This is conditional. God keeps saying through this prophet, I will relent if you change. But in the very same sense, only God can do this. It's predictive. It's like this will happen for 70 years. Yes, I could change all history and somehow change this that we couldn't understand if you repent, but it's, he knew they wouldn't, so 70 years. And, and we see this in, in Jeremiah. Daniel reads this, and he's the one that goes, wow, okay, right here. Jeremiah's telling us 70 years, and he's reading this when it's 69 years have gone by, and it's, they're about to be let go. And so he is preparing the people to come out and to go back. And this is where we were last night as we look into Ezra, and they're going back then to build the temple. They're being let go. Cyrus comes in, takes over Babylon. Quite amazing. The rest of the chapter there, having not taken the time to study it in detail, I'm (laughs) making the assumption this is all about the tribulation. It looks and sounds just like the tribulation period where God is going to make a judgment upon the whole world. And there's going to be dead corpses everywhere. Now, why I find that compelling is we in this side of the cross and in our day have these two side by side. And so if, if God says you will go into captivity for 70 years and it happened exactly the way he said, and they came out exactly to the day that it was completed, don't you know that everything that is prophesied that we're reading just then is going to happen? And God says the world will go into a tribulation for seven years, not 70, but seven because we couldn't handle 70 years. It's going to be a devastation unlike the world's ever seen. And so we need to respond to this, really like the people of Nineveh, and as the world, as unsaved, fall on our faces and plead for the mercy of God. And we as believers, well, we've already done that. And so we're rejoicing because now as the bride of Christ, we believe that he'll come and take us out of this. And this is the warning that Jeremiah is talking about there, that we are to take note of this and prepare for it and not be subject to these shepherds, these evil shepherds that are guiding the world in the wrong direction. Do not feed in their pasture. Feed on the manna that is given to us from heaven. Jeremiah 45 now, the message to Baruch. He was the um, scribe, remember, of Jeremiah. This is the message which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch the son of Neriah when he had written down these words in the book at Jeremiah's dictation in the fourth year of Jehoiakim the son of Josiah king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch. You said, Ah, woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning and have found no rest. Thus you are to say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, What I have built, I'm about to tear down. What I have planted, I'm about to uproot. That is the whole land. But you 
Are you seeking great things for yourself? Do not seek them. For behold, I'm going to bring disaster on all flesh, declares the Lord, but I will give your life to you as booty in all the places where you may go. Just, I want to stop there for a minute because any of us that are (laughs) serving in ministry, and you all are, whether you know it or not, when you're talking to your neighbors, doing Bible studies, leading people in prayer, all these things are ministry stuff. It's encouraging to take note that God hears our groaning. He hears our murmuring and sometimes our disillusionment with what's going on in the world. And he can speak directly to us. He's the guy that's just listening to Jeremiah give all the prophecies and writing them all down. And whoa, he's going, ooh, this, this is bad. And maybe he was trying to come up with, I don't know, seeking after something for himself. Doesn't really get into detail. Maybe not all of his thinking was correcting, but God notices what's going on in his heart and speaks to him. He's a servant. He's just a servant writing down stuff. Obviously was very learned and a very good person that understood how to write and take notes and all this kind of stuff, write things down. God hears, knows his heart and speaks to him and says, just know this, world's going into judgment during this time, but I'm going to spare your life. You're my servant. I'm going to spare you. You're going to escape with your life. And I, I like that because it's like kind of encouraging too. The world is going into judgment. Things are falling all apart all around us. But I think we could maybe say God is saying the same thing to us. He's going to spare. He's going to take us out of here. I would like to think he's going to take us out of our life, raptured out of this place. That's our booty going to be our going to be raptured out of here with our, with our, our bodies going to be glorified. That's a pretty amazing reward. Not only that, of course, much better. We get to go be with Christ. So but you see how these things you can, when you read the Old Testament, keep connecting the dots. Keep looking at these things and saying, okay, that was given for me in my time. I see the correlation and look for the things that then can encourage our hearts and cause us to keep trusting and being amazed at the accuracy and the harmony that we find in the Word. Chapter 46 Defeat of Pharaoh foretold. That which came as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, the prophet concerning the nations, to Egypt concerning the army of Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, which was by the Euphrates River at Carchemish, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, defeated in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Line up the shields and buckler and draw near for the battle. Harness the horses and mount the steeds. Take your stand with helmets on. Polish the spears, put on the scale armor. Why have I seen it? They are terrified. They are drawing back, and their mighty men have defeated and have taken refuge in flight without facing back. Terror is on every side, declares the Lord. Let not the swift men flee, nor the mighty men escape. In the north, besides the river Euphrates, they have stumbled and fallen. Who is this that rises like the Nile? like the rivers, whose waters surge about. Egypt rises like the Nile. Even like the rivers, whose waters surge about. He has said, I will rise and cover that land. I will surely destroy this city and its inhabitants. Go up, you horses, and drive madly, you chariots, that the mighty men may march forward. Ethiopia and Put, that handle the shield, and the Lydians, that handle the bent bow, 
For that day belongs to the Lord, God of hosts, a day of vengeance, so as to avenge himself on his foes, and the sword will devour and be satiated, and drink of its fill of their blood, and there will be a slaughter for the Lord God of hosts in the land of the north by the river Euphrates. Go up to Gilead and obtain balm, O virgin daughter of Egypt. In vain you have multiplied remedies. There is no healing in you. The nations have heard your shame. The earth is full of your cry of distress. For one warrior has stumbled over another, and both of them have fallen together. This is the message which the Lord spoke to Jeremiah the prophet about the coming of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to smite the land of Egypt. Declare in Egypt and proclaim in Migdal. Proclaim also in Memphis and Daphnis. Say, take your stand and get yourself ready, for the sword has devoured those around you. Why have your mighty ones become prostrate? They do not stand because the Lord has thrust them down. They have repeatedly stumbled. Indeed, they have fallen one against another. Then they said, get up and let us go back to our own people, to our native land, away from the sword of the oppressor. They cried there, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is but a big noise. He has let the appointed time pass by. As I live, declares the king whose name is the Lord of hosts. Surely one shall come who looms up like Tabor among the nations, or like Carmel by the sea. Make your baggage ready for exile, O daughter dwelling in Egypt, for Memphis will become a desolation. It will be burned down and bereft of inhabitants. Egypt is a pretty heifer, and a horsefly is coming from the north. It is coming. Also, her, her mercenaries in her midst are like fatted calves, for even they too have turned back and have fled away together. They did not stand their ground for the day of their calamity has come upon them, the time of their punishment. Its sound moves along like a serpent, for they move on like an army and come to her as woodcutters with axes. They have cut down her forest, declares the Lord. Surely it will no more be found, even though they are now more numerous than locusts and are without number. Verse 24, the daughter of Egypt has been put to shame, given over to the power of the people of the north. The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel says, behold, I'm going to punish Ammon and Thebes and Pharaoh and Egypt along with her gods and her kings, even Pharaoh and those who trust in him. I will give them over to the power of those who are seeking their lives, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of his officers. Afterwards, however, it will be inhabited as in the days of old, declares the Lord. But as for you, O Jacob, my servant, do not fear or be dismayed, O Israel. For see, I am going to save you from afar and your descendants from the land of their captivity. And Jacob will return and be undisturbed and secured with no one making him tremble. O Jacob, my servant, do not fear, declares the Lord, for I am with you. And I will make a full end of all the nations where I have driven you. Yet I will not make a full end of you, but I will correct you properly and by no means leave you unpunished. Well, if you remember, Jacob, Judah, the southern part of Israel, tried through their king, unfortunately, Jehoiakim, I think, make a pact with Egypt, looking to Egypt to save them. And they were going to be leaning against 
a reed that will puncture through their hand. If I remember the scripture right, the prophets warned them not to do that, and they did. And of course, it was to their demise. Uh, they were to trust in the Lord and not in Egypt. So God says, hmm, okay, you're going to trust in Egypt? Well, I'll just get rid of Egypt first. So you can see, find out you're not supposed to trust in them, and you're supposed to trust in me. Battle of Carchemish, historians help me out, 605 BC-ish, somewhere around there. That was the big famous battle where Babylon came and beat Pharaoh Necho at Carchemish. And this is where, on the way back from the battle, stopped off in Jerusalem, I believe, for their first incursion against Jerusalem. It's fun when you're doing this live because you have to just try and remember right off the bat things and with my brain. I get them all confused too. It doesn't always just fall in order. That's why I like really reading the Bible chronologically. It helps so much my brain. But anyway, this is where we are seeing the accuracy of prophecy again. Jeremiah saying you will be conquered and you will be defeated and Babylon will come to power. But Jerusalem, Jews, God says, I won't leave you permanently, but you will not go unpunished. You will be punished for your dependency on other nations and looking after man and the things of man and not me. Therefore, you will go into captivity exactly 70 years. Hebrews chapter 1, God's final word in his son. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son to whom... He appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of all the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the son he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and his righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved the righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain and they all will become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render services for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? I don't know how the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons can think that Jesus is an angel or an alien or something weird. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is the creator of all things, and he is the one who sits at the right hand of God. And it seems like their suggestion that the book of Hebrews was written to the Jews in Israel, in Jerusalem, to prepare them for the destruction of the temple. 
I just came across that. It was interesting that I hadn't really thought about that. But they were so set on the temple, the permanence of the temple, and that they would bring their sacrifices to the temple. And the Jewish Christians were also very confused about this. And they were thinking, well, God gave us a temple, gave us the sacrificial system, and everything at the temple is, is ordained by God. And, and there's a sense now at the very beginning, because the book of Hebrews is really going to cover this in depth, that Jesus is our high priest. He's both the high priest and the sacrifice himself. And that there is no other way by which man can be forgiven of, of sin, not the blood of bulls or rams. And so at, right at the beginning, we're seeing the permanence of Christ and his power and that everything is made by him, for him, through him. And he's going to connect this idea now to salvation and that all, the, all salvation is coming through Messiah, nothing connected with the temple that would soon be destroyed if this was written in 63 some people think 64 the the temple would be destroyed six seven years later pretty profound charles spurgeon for the elect's sake those days be shortened matthew 24 22 for the sake of his elect the lord withholds many judgments and shortens others in great tribulations the fire would devour all were not for that out of of regard to his elect the lord damps the flame thus while he saves his elect for the sake of jesus he also preserves the race for the sake of his chosen what an honor is thus put upon saints how diligently they ought to use their influence with their lord he will hear their prayers for sinners and bless their efforts for their salvation he blesses believers that they may be a blessing to those who are in unbelief Many a sinner lives because of the prayers of a mother or wife or daughter to whom the Lord has respect. We've used aright the singular power with which the Lord entrusts us. Do we pray for our country and other lands and for the age? Do we in times of war, famine, pestilence stand out as intercessors pleading that the days may be shortened? Do we lament before God the outbursts of infidelity, error, and licentiousness do we beseech our lord jesus to shorten the reign of sin by hastening his own glorious appearing let us get to our knees and never rest till christ appeareth well i certainly think we do that because we meet every day and do that so let's continue in it father we thank you for the word this morning we thank you for the things that you are revealing to us. And God, we do cry out for the things going on in the world right now. I don't have any idea or I can't even imagine what people were going through at the beginning of World War II as they saw the whole world coming to a head and all of these nations coming to battle. Then, Father, it was centered in Europe. Now it's centered in Israel. And we know that this is the final battleground at the end of the age. So, Father, we, we cry out right now, and as this uh, war is continuing to grow and these nations are threatening to come against Israel, we cry out for your hand to shorten the days and your hand to be upon Israel and your hand to be upon the governments and even, in a big way, the social media and the news agencies, because we know that the enemy will do everything to discredit and attack Israel and turn the world against it. 
we as believers, God, want to stand with Israel and ask for your righteous hand to be upon them and to guide them and to do what needs to be done. Father, we know that vengeance is yours, and you have used nations in the past, and you've used Israel in the past to bring about your judgment. We don't know how that works in these last days as believers in Christ. We simply yield over to you that your sovereign will will be done, and we pray for the deliverance of the hostages and for those that are innocent, even the Palestinians that don't want any part of this. God, that you would deliver them, bring them the food that they need, the water that they need. And God, we pray that in the midst of all this, your word would go out strong. You would use those very strong ministries, Christians, Palestinian Christians, Jewish Christians, to be effective, God, and be able to share the word and spread the word. So thank you, Father. Pray for Ken, who's got an infection and really having a hard time, as he needs to be working for his family and for the healing of his daughter. So we do pray specifically for him. We pray for anyone who's feeling sick and having a hard time breathing or or just needs God some type of medical intervention right now. Pray that for their healing specifically and for any of the surgeries that are going on uh, right now, that you could heal them up as well. Also, prayer for Maureen. She has a co-worker who was born and raised in Israel and fought in the Israel Special Forces. And he is leaving on Friday to go Israel to join his unit to fight. So we want to pray for the safety of Ari, uh, Maureen's friend. God, we pray for Ari's safety and that, God, if he is a believer, we are praying that he would also be able to bring into Israel, the God of Israel, the, the firstborn, the second person of the Trinity. Father, we, we know that any Christian that is going there, that is a part of that army, is going with you alongside him. And God, may you use him in a mighty way. And if he's not a believer, God, we pray that he finds you through the friendship of Maureen and other people that know him. So thank you, God, and do protect him, use him, and help him communicate back to us what's really going on over there. So thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for what you are doing in our life, and we wait upon you in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you, guys. We will pick this up again tomorrow, same time. So let us know if you have specific prayer requests like Marines, and I'll try and get them on. Okay, see you later. Bye-bye.